It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Who is the worst team in the NL Central? Well, record would say one thing, while the last four games say another. What exactly can we learn about these teams that uh, are bottom feeders in the NL Central? The rest of the way? Glad you asked. Welcome into another Locked On Reds, Locked On Pirates crossover. I'm Jeff Carr. He's Stephen Offenbaker, and he's Ethan Smith. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day. Thanks as always for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. On today's crossover, we will give you plenty of reasons to watch the Reds and Pirates over the final 20 games, as neither one of these teams are making the playoffs. But we are all suffering fans of two horrible teams this year. That is something that definitely brings us together. Uh, but one of us is happier uh, than the others. <clears throat> I, I bet you can't guess who. Well, I mean, hey, it's it's, <laughs> it's nice to have a four well, game. That's not happy. You don't sound that happy. Well, on, I mean, now. this was our first four game sweep since like 2018, so it's been a while. So I don't know first what time. this feeling is like. <laughs> first time in night since 1991 doing it to the Reds in Cincinnati. Just oh Ethan my God. is well, Ethan is emotionally overloaded right now. That's <laughs> yeah. that's what's happening between yeah, the football game on Sunday and the Pirate series. You know. The, the good folks of Pittsburgh just can't quite cope right now. Uh, to quote the great Dayon Kovacevic, he said, does Cincinnati have a hockey team that the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins can beat this week? Yeah, really. Um, not, not, not in the NHL at least. Well, looking at this series, there were quite a few good performances uh, at the bat. They were all on Pittsburgh's side. Uh, there were so many home runs hit by the Buckos in this series. Who is your main guy that you take away from the series going, hmm, I like what he did? Rodolfo Castro, 100%. He, a lot of people, I guess, forgot after last year that when he was here and struggled that the kid was 21 years old last year. He's now 22. He's a switch hitting, power hitting bat, something that is a hot commodity on any baseball team the last time that I checked. And I mean, it's even funnier because on his home run that he had yesterday, he did kind of this little hand movement towards the dugout. And they were saying that apparently him and O'Neill Cruz have this like little thing going on that they have a little competition going on in the clubhouse. When you're out of the playoffs, hey. Why not create competition internally? And I'm sure Cincinnati's doing it in some capacity as well. Another thing I wanted to touch on, though, it does suck that I'm not getting to see Joey Votto play right now. I do like watching him play, and it does suck. And I can only imagine how it feels for you guys. Well, and I tell you this, if you watch the Reds broadcast, you can see him in the booth. He's pretty good in the booth, too, although I'd rather see him on the field. Uh, Steve, uh, who do we take away from this uh, series as, as somebody that was good? Well... <laughs> Alexis Diaz. 
Yes. <laughs> that one inning that he pitched. That's really that good. That one inning that he pitched. No, I'll tell you what. It was, you know, for most of of his start in yesterday's game, Nick Lodolo was, was just grooving it. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, those those finishes, you know, we, we would like to improve on, you know, his last inning of play each and every time out. But I also do feel like that he's probably of a mindset of, good God, please don't come and get me because whoever they're bringing in after this is just going to screw the pooch. So I understand maybe sticking around with Lodolo a little too long in each of his starts Diaz is one inning but you know that was indicative of where he's at in his performance this season uh we talked about this yesterday Jeff that guy's lights out um of course Kyle Farmer the locked on Reds killer delivered a two for four performance because we talked about him yesterday not uh belonging in the game when he was put in in a pinch hitter and then of course I always root for a good catcher uh hitting the ball performance so Austin Romine parking one into a very very empty uh bleacher section of Great American Ballpark was also fun to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know who would have had fun with that one? Zach Hampel, because he would have actually been able to run to another section to go grab a baseball and not. Have I would to love to see that guy way. like trip and fall on his face, like <laughs> trying to do. I would, I would love to see that happen. Well, without disparaging somebody who's picking up a home run ball, I will say this: Nick Lodolo, honestly, the one swing from Adolfo Castro was his one blemish on the day. And there are going to be times here in the future when he is pitching that one swing will not be the one thing that kills him because the lineup's actually going to support him. And if the lineup supports a guy that pitches as well as he has, I mean, 31 strikeouts and three straight starts to one walk. Absolutely phenomenal That's, that's pretty good. From him. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, well, for I, my Lockdown Pirates listeners, they know I love the strikeout-to-walk ratio, so oh. that is music to my ears. Oh. One, it's the it's my favorite thing to really gauge a pitcher because it's the number one thing they can control. They can control the strike zone, and if he does a good job of it, which he does, then it should be you know it should definitely be bumped up the way that it has. He has been so phenomenal this season, and it's really showing through here recently. But yeah, if if I got to pick somebody else, the other guy that I would kind of lean on a little bit. I was loving the performances I've seen from Rivar San Martin. And I know that's a little bit of a deep cut, but honestly, the way that he has pitched this season out of the bullpen has been nothing short of phenomenal. It's something that is going to definitely give him a spot on this team next year and to see if he can actually be a part of a successful future Reds side. And he pitched very well in the second game of that doubleheader, gave the the Reds two clean inning, two and a third clean innings. And, and overall, he's the other guy in the bullpen that I'm not that worried about whenever the doors open. It's Alexis Diaz, it's Rivar San Martin, and basically just flip a coin. Every other pitch that anyone else out of the bullpen throws, no idea what's going to happen there. I also like that uh, Aristides Aquino was back for one game yes. in the series, and then now he's just Aristides Aquino again, I guess, after the rest of the series. Uh, still... Steven, this was before your uh, your presence here on the Locked on Reds podcast where me and Jeff jokingly said that Aristides Aquino would kill as a Pittsburgh Pirate because PNC Park would play his play style so well that it was ridiculous. And then, of course, he got sent down at one point, I believe, and I was like, okay, thankfully that didn't happen. And then I saw over the last week that he was hitting like 350 with like a 700 slugging percentage and all like crazy numbers that he had. So it was nice to keep him at bay, and that was the thing I think that impressed me the most. The starting pitching has looked good, but they have had their struggles like Nick Lodolo does where that one pitch will screw their whole startup. 
this whole series, that was not the case. And it also helped that finally what I've been asking for since May finally has happened where the offense is finally supplementing very good pitching on the, on the defensive side so that we're not killing our bullpen that actually does have pretty decent pieces in it. And it's allowing David Bednar to come back from a rehab assignment. Will Crow doesn't have to throw his arm out anymore. Stuff that means things down the stretch. And I would also go hot take here with both of our teams. I don't think either of these teams is losing 100 games. Oh, see, uh, I'm not so sure now because I was telling Jeff on our show yesterday, Ethan, that for me, this series against you guys was the most embarrassing series of the season for the 2022 team. And I think they're on a, I think they're on a downward trend. You know, I would off air. I told Jeff and we'll put it on air today, Jeffrey. I was like, I hope they don't win another game. Let's just, let's just go all in. Let's, let's not win another game the rest of the season and really just embrace the sucktitude of what 2022 has been. It has been one of the worst seasons in in, in Reds history. I, I will say that. But yeah, I, I I agree with you, Ethan. I was impressed with Reds or uh, with Pirates starting pitching, especially Ronzi Contreras. Uh, but I also want to get into something that I noticed a, a thing that the Pirates did that I've seen other teams do as well, and it's really paid off against the Reds this year. And it kind of bugs the crap out of me. Going to tell you about that here in a minute, but you know what doesn't beg the crap out of me? BetOnline.net. They're going to help you out with your next bet because let's face it, just about every time I tell you to take the over, Steve, what do you do? Take the under, baby. Exactly. You fade the crap out of me. I'm like an automatic fade. I don't know what it is. I think I just have to embrace that at this point. But I was looking tomorrow, and just at the two lines, as we said, the Reds are taking on the Cardinals, first of five in four days. And then you have the Pirates and the Mets. Uh, We did this last time we crossed over, Ethan, without looking at it. Who do you think actually has the better odds to win a game tomorrow, the pirates over the Mets or the reds over the Cardinals pirates just because of the Mets slide that they've had lately, just slightly. The pirates are plus two fifteen according to bet online and the reds are plus two thirty four. Now I would definitely take the Pirates starter over the reds. Chase Anderson is starting for the reds and JT Brubaker is starting for the pirates. But yes, if you want to check out your next great bet, go over to BetOnline.net. Whether you're talking about baseball as we head into the playoffs, plenty of different things going on. You can bet on whether or not Albert Pujols is going to get to 700. He might do that this weekend and you can check he out whether do that. Day. <laughs> he might do that today against Chase Anderson. Um, yeah, it's it, there, there's a lot going on down there. Plus, you've got NFL bets, you've got college football, all that great stuff can be found at betonline.net because betonline is where the game starts. Thanks again for making the Lockdown Reds and Lockdown Pirates crossover your first listen of the day. Coming up uh, tomorrow, we've got some questions. I'm going to be looking at, when we're talking about Lockdown Reds, we're going to be looking at some dudes who are currently in the midst of making adjustment after adjustment after adjustment in their hitting game and uh, whether or not that's going to pay off. Plus a great quote from Barry Larkin about those guys. And Ethan, what are uh, what you got going on tomorrow with Lockdown Pirates? Just going to be covering a uh, <clears throat> a nationally televised baseball game for the Pittsburgh Pirates on Fox against the Mets, where Stephen Offair said it'll just be the announcers talking about the Mets and the Braves the whole time, and the Pirates are just making a cameo. 
So we'll talk about that, and then I'll re- I'll preview the rest of the weekend series because the Pirates are in New York for six straight games against the Yankees and the Mets. So ooh. interesting times going on there. But you say, ooh, we are 6-2 and two against the Yankees and Dodgers this season. I do remember that. You the, Dodgers the Dodgers would have 100 yeah. wins already if it wasn't for the Pittsburgh Pirates sweeping them <laughs> in Dodger Stadium in May. That's, that, it's funny how that's worked out because I'm pretty sure the Reds are going to hang a AL East Championship banner oh, on the American Ballpark this year. And don't forget, you still play an AL East team. You still play the Reds. That is your only non-divisional series left this year. Yep. That's Got a right. couple against the Red Sox coming up. But yeah, that the AL East banner, however, the Dodgers beat us like a drum in every single game we played them. So that that was a bit of a tough thing. But I'm a little bit bummed that it's Fox that's broadcasting and not ESPN because ESPN just wrote this compendium, or at least Kylie McDaniel wrote this compendium as to why O'Neill Cruz is the most exciting player in baseball right now. And we saw him pretty much get held in check for the most of this series, but he got a big home run. I think it was... Is it off Derek Law? I forget. It was one of the guys that came out of the bullpen. There was a lot of different guys that came out of the bullpen in that final game. Hard to tell. Um, but, yeah, O'Neill Cruz has definitely been interesting to watch in this Pirates lineup. But I wanted to get back to something that I teased before. Because the Pirates did a thing that just about every other team has done to the Reds in a game which they have the ability to sweep them, and that is they dared the Reds to get a hit because they put in, and I I am blanking on his first name, but Yahure. Miguel Yahure, yeah. Miguel Yahure, who his numbers look like he's pitching out of the Reds bullpen. Uh, and he absolutely, I mean, it was like, I think it was like an eight-pitch inning. He went one, two, three against the Reds lineup. When you see a guy like Miguel Yahure come into a ball game, what's your first thought? My first thought is, uh, well, going into it, he pitched three full innings, and by then we were already up three, four. We were up three to two. <laughs> so obviously, I'm having a heart attack, like I had with Evan McPherson and Chris Boswell on Sunday. Um, <laughs> Which at that point, I was going to say, just go grab somebody from the Reds bullpen to kick or be your long snapper. You guys would have had a better chance than whoever the hell you guys had out there before. But Yahure has been that kind of guy where Contreras has obviously overshadowed him for obvious reasons in that Jamison Talion trade. But he has the ability to do what he did there. But I do agree with you. By us putting him in with an 8-2-7 ERA, you're virtually staring the Reds in the face and saying, Get a hit off of this guy. Score runs off of this guy. We do not care. Mm-hmm. Score runs off of this guy. And it's almost like the offense said, oh, we just put in a guy who has an eight ERA. How about we score seven runs in the final three <laughs> innings to at least make up for that, right? And I was just like, I get it. I get the arms are tired and stuff like that. But if you're not going to utilize some of these guys anymore because their arms are gassed, rightfully so with how things have been this year, Shut them down for the year. Bring up these young guys you keep talking about, like Cody Bolton, Michael Burrows, Luis Ortiz, Johan Oviedo can move to the bullpen. Then you actually have a pretty cool bullpen to keep in mind and look at for while David Bednar is having a rehab assignment for whatever reason in the middle of September when he hasn't played in two months. Why is he even coming back? There's literally no reason for David Bednar to come back. Now, I'm the biggest David Bednar supporter ever, but... Even you guys would probably say, why does he need to come back? 
it serves well, it, him no purpose. It's ironic that you mentioned that. There's plenty of guys like that that the Reds have out on rehab assignment that were like, are we sure we really need them to come into this dumpster fire of whatever is Hunt, left? Hunter Green as the Ooh, number yeah. one example after missing a start or two, got not one, but multiple rehab starts in Louisville. And I kept saying to Jeff, unless he's like throwing only uh, his change up and working on a pitch, there's absolutely no good reason why he's pitching in Louisville and not Cincinnati. And nobody has ever really asked the question or at least done it in a way that it provided an insightful answer to understand why in at this point in the year, you would do that with a player and, and, and go through all the motions of a rehab when the season's clearly lost and over. I'm with you. I would much rather them have just said, okay, if, if your situation warrants multiple rehab starts, you're done for you're the done. year and yeah. we'll just see you out in, in spring training come February. Yeah, yeah. And I think both of our teams should feel that way. I mean, yeah. injuries suck. And I know these guys want to come back and play because it'll be the last time they can play for three or four months, but would you rather be completely healthy going into 2023 spring training or re-aggravate an injury and be on the shelf the entire winter and not get to work on anything? Right. And for a guy like Hunter Green, the winter is going to be very important for him. Yeah, because he's got to build a changeup. I mean, I know he has one, but he's got to build his confidence. In it. And whether or not he can do that over the winter time, that remains to be seen. It's got to be something he does in games. But it's not as if he's out – like I'm not hearing reports – that he's down in AAA throwing 65 changeups. Like it's not, they're basically just saying, yes, he's pitching like normal. He's building his arm up. And they didn't even say that. They're like working around it, you know, like doing the whole like, you know, oh yeah, he's, you know, getting his strength up, building his strength up. And I'm like, it sounds like you're talking about a guy who's in the middle of spring training and starting to build up for the season. The season's almost over. If this is the point that we're at with Hunter Green, where it's like he's got to regain strength. Let him regain it over the course of the winter. I, I, I'm I'm with Steve on this one. There's there's no reason to have a guy like that rush back and, and hopefully start what two games. I mean, there's only 20 games left, and you also look at your lineup as well. And it's not like he's going to be coming in and pitching against mediocre teams. I mean, he's going to be pitching against St. Louis and Milwaukee or somebody like that. It's like. That's going to kill a guy's confidence to come back from injury and then have to face those lineups where the Brewers are two games out of a wild card trying to fight for a wild card spot. How do you think they're going to try to perform against Hunter Green fighting for a playoff spot? They're going and to try to beat the no crap out of support. him. And with yeah. no run support whatsoever. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know, though. But what I'm curious, though, about when we look back at this series, Steve, is what is going to be your main, like, oh, wow, moment? I don't know because, that there is I don't know that there is one. You know it was oh wow for me was oh wow it's the first time that the Pirates have have swept us in god knows how many you know games at Great American Ballpark in a four game series uh oh wow uh home runs are being hit into the bleachers at Great American Ballpark and there's there's gam gams with walkers that have time to go retrieve the baseball <laughs> oh wow um you've got pitchers coming out of the bullpen where i don't even know if you're making up their names or not on some days so oh wow but in all seriousness um i think uh for me aleo lopez oh wow he's putting it together i think for me uh alexis diaz a legitimate closer oh wow 
Uh, I think for me, the fact that some of these younger guys in a season where it would be very easy to quit, uh, in a season where it would be very easy to not try hard at all, they're still out there busting it. You know, oh, wow, things to look forward to. So those are my real, oh, wow, takeaways from the game. But the other stuff is just, you know, <laughs> the season's wearing on me, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't blame you at all. And I do have an oh wow of my own. And Ethan, I'm going to ask you what your oh wow is. Mine involves a hitter, something that the Reds didn't see a whole lot of during this series. And we're going to get into that coming up next. But before we get into that, I want to let you know, you can follow us outside of the show. We have plenty of takes, whether it comes to baseball, whether it comes to Ethan and the Clippers and NBA basketball, as that's not that far from getting started up here. And... Plenty of football takes between the Bengals and Steelers, and every so often I'm going to give you a take like I did today about the commercials and why on earth Papa John's came up with a pizza bowl that gets rid of the crust. Like, who who asked for that? Who? And who don't forget my that? Ohio State Buckeyes and UH Hawaii football Rainbow Warriors takes that you can get on Twitter as well. Yeah, how did it feel when Ohio State beat a top five team? Oh, wait. And they just lose to Marshall last week. <laughs> that was Notre Dame, not Ohio State, my friend. Oh, I know it was. I said, how did it feel to beat oh, that yeah. top five team? Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, hey, I take every win I can get at this point. Bearcats, baby. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, when I'm talking about, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, but I mentioned you can follow us on Twitter. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see my Twitter handle is at Jeff Carr with three Fs. Steve's is at S Offenbaker with two Fs. And Ethan's is at MVP underscore Ethan. No Fs in that. Um, all right. My Except big... my takes. Those yeah. were Fs. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's, that's a good one. My oh wow player for this series. And he's a guy that I think I've resisted this take until now. I'm back in on Aristides Aquino. I am. You're going to see those season numbers and you're going to be like, he's batting like 202, Jeff. What are you talking about? Let me say this. He is absolutely phenomenal defensively. You want to make sure that his glove is out in the field. You want to make sure that his arm is out in the field. There was a situation where the Pirates had a guy on second. It was a single that was hit to Aquino in right field. He picks up the ball. They hold the runner at third. They know they're not running on that arm. Love that kind of mentality. But also, at the plate, the one thing that has killed him his entire career is the breaking ball low and away. Not only has he learned to see that, he's also learned to foul it off. I've seen him actually make contact with it because he has changed his stance. They've talked about it a lot on the broadcast where he does a toe tap right before he swings, and it kind of holds him back a little bit, and it's, he is able to control his bat speed through the zone a lot more. He's able to foul off that pitch, lay off that pitch, and he's doing things that I love to see otherwise when it comes to actually making contact, and that is the only time he makes contact no longer is just home runs. He's hitting singles. He's hitting, he's hitting doubles. I'm seeing a much more well-rounded Aristides Aquino. Does that mean that he is the future cleanup hitter for the Cincinnati Reds? I'm not ready to say that, but I am ready to say that my unconditional love and complete unbiasedness toward Aristides Aquino has returned. <laughs> I mean, 
Listen, just be, just because he wears number forty-four, you know, Eric Davis is not walking through that door, Jeff. Uh, Adam. All Bill. right, no, enough of that, Ethan. What's what was Ethan? What was your oh wow moment from this series, whether it's player or series? Uh, you know, help save Jeff from himself. Um. Well, the trio of O'Neal, Cruz, Rowanzi Contreras, and Rodolfo Castro, who have all noted throughout the series that it was very fun. Now that they're all staples on this team they grew up through the minors together um well Contreras is a little bit different but he came in and immediately latched onto those guys he has a good start yesterday Rodolfo Castro man if he can continue to just keep hitting the long ball the way he is I don't see how you don't say that's your future DH he's mm. not that great in the field but guess what if you're a switch hitting power hitter and you hit the ball like you did this series you're going to find somewhere in the lineup for that kid. And that works for any team. That's not just the Pirates. If you have a commodity like that, he's going to start. My oh wow moment in specific to yesterday's game is something that I hear a lot from Pirates fans and externally and from Pittsburgh media. A lot of people look at this game and see O'Neill Cruz homered. Great, right? Nobody likes to look at the fact that he struck out four times. He's very boomer bust right now, and it's because he's still getting acclimated to the league. He's still getting acclimated to seeing major league pitching. With that said, he's batting 223 with 15 home runs and 46 RBIs. Last time that I checked, you put that over 162 game season on pace. That's like almost 40 home runs and like 120 RBIs. So I think that's the Joey yeah, I mean, the oh wow factor is I get to watch O'Neill Cruz play baseball every day and talk about him as much as I want and get paid for it. So, I mean, I think everybody enjoys that. And it was just nice to see the offense finally wake up. They just finally yeah. had a pulse. I, I don't know what it, I mean, maybe the Reds will find that fortune after watching the Pirates do it. Maybe it'll be a little monkey see, monkey do action with two bad teams. But for the Pirates, it's been dormant and they needed this kind of thing. Now, what the uh, fun thing I think that Reds fans and Pirates fans get to watch is who gives up number 700 to Albert Pujols, the Reds or the Pirates. <laughs> I think that's where we get into a really interesting conversation. Are the Pirates right after the Reds? Or the Pirates play the Cardinals right after the Reds? The last six games of the year, the Cardinals oh. play the Pirates. Three okay. in Bush, three in Pittsburgh. I already said... He's going to do it on Saturday, October 1st against the Pirates at Bush Stadium. Because why? Because it's a Saturday game, 7-15 start in St. Louis. I think that is the perfect time for him to do it. You know what that means? Nationally televised game, too, if you're a oh. Saturday night game. Oh, yeah. They'll make it nationally. If he gets to 699, almost every Cardinals game will be on television until he does it. Well, he yeah. is going to hit number 700 on Saturday, but it's going to be this Saturday. Uh <laughs> With with this many games against the Reds and this pitching staff, I can't imagine he doesn't hit three home runs over the next five games. I I, oh. I see it coming. I see it being done. He'll have his then he'll have a, a nice celebratory victory lap as he cruises off into retirement. Uh, that's just kind of how I see that going. Well, you know who is slated to pitch on Saturday, don't you? Because of his last rehab start being on Sunday. That's Mr. Hunter Green. Hunter Green. Yep. So there's there's a very good chance, and he has given up quite a few home runs himself. So um, you know, I, I'd hate to see that for him to be 
what that would be like pitcher number 250,000 that Albert Pujols has hit off of. But yeah, because he recently did it against JT mm-hmm. Brubaker and added to that number. So it was very interesting. Yeah. And you know what, Jeff, I wanted to circle back to something Ethan said about O'Neill Cruz and relate it back to our buddy Spencer Steer, uh, who was recently called up to the big league club in Cincinnati. Um, I sat down with him a few weeks ago, just prior to him being called up by the Reds. And, and we did an interview where we talked about, uh, you know, his approach to his game and the things he was doing. And he talked about how when he made a, a concentrated effort to increase his power numbers, uh, just a, a natural byproduct of that was an increase in his strikeout totals and he was actively working on trying to find the sweet spot in the balance where he would have the increased power but have the the strikeout still be an acceptable level and i would imagine that you know o'neill cruz is going through a very similar process and doing it at the big league level uh to boot where you know he's expected to be the guy right he's expected to be the man so trying to find uh the sweet spot of delivering on that while still keeping things like your strikeout totals under control is probably a a a very difficult balancing act at the big league level very much so, yes. And, I mean, you also have to keep in mind that the guy is 6'7 and has a strike zone about the size of my entire body. So, I mean, it's yeah. very interesting. And I think moving into next year with the new rules, too, I think it'll benefit O'Neill Cruz to have the shift kind of not in play as much. Now, he's not getting shifted on that much anyway because he does pull the ball to all parts of the field. But you do notice that the second baseman will kind of trail over a little bit when O'Neill Cruz comes up, knowing that more than likely being a powerful lefty, he's going to pull it that way. Now I did say this as a joke about the new rules. Thank God the Pirates don't play at three rivers anymore because of the timing and the wording in that rule about the shift where it says your player has to be in the dirt at old three river stadium. There was only dirt around the bases. The rest of the field was grass. So I we would have been screwed for 81 games because our our You'd have the guys would have had to be ever. literally right there. Now, what I am interested in, I wanted to get an opinion on this. That said that you have to be in the dirt until the pitch is thrown. So are we going to literally see guys just booking it to the outfield in the grass after the pitch is thrown to try to get out to a ball. <laughs> you get like the arena football, like uh, formations that they get on offense where everybody's like sprinting up to the line right before the hike or something. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be kind of crazy to have like a specialized infield that way. Just like, all right and go. All right. Oh, shift over. I don't think so. I, I think that you'll still probably see a lot more straight up defense. You'll see double play shifts. You'll see, you know, the infield in whenever the bases are loaded and things like that, which I do wonder, like, was there any sort of phrasing because it was something that the Cardinals employed heavily in that marathon 13 inning game that the Reds and Cardinals played a couple of weeks ago where they had a five man infield. Was there anything saying uh, against that? Cause I don't remember. When I, read it, I, think I, think it, so. I think it spoke to minimums. It didn't speak to maximums. Okay. So a minimum of two infielders on each side of second base, you know, um, so I, I think that that would be allowable. Um, you know, here's what's going to happen, guys. Uh, this is going to be the first year of it. They have tinkered with it in the minor leagues, but, uh, you know, that's not the real deal. They're going to roll it out next year. It's going to make its appearance uh, in the major leagues. Teams will do whatever they can to, to find a way to get right up to the line and find a, combati- a competitive advantage. And then that rule is going to get refined. 
it's either going to get refined halfway through the season or, or it could potentially wait until the off season. But the true intent is to go back to a traditional true positioning of infielders. And, and that's the direction they'll continue to refine the language to get it to a point where we have a true third baseman and shortstop and a true second baseman and first baseman. And, and they'll get it there and it, it might take a little bit and, and Rob Manfred might actually have to do a little bit of work to get it to, to where it makes sense. And God help us while we wait on that, because that man, as you know, hates baseball. Well, now I also just can't wait for box after the third pickoff attempt with O'Neill Cruz having a lead halfway towards second. You have to get them out or else it's a Bach. So, yep, <laughs> exactly. It's we're um, see that a lot. It's going to be interesting to see the implementation of all of that, but that's definitely going to be something that we are going to speculate on quite a bit as the uh, season comes to an end and the off season moves forward. But that's going to do it for us here on this crossover edition of the Reds and Pirates, Lockdown Reds and Lockdown Pirates episodes. Uh, Ethan, thanks so much for joining us. If this is your first time watching either Lockdown Reds or Lockdown Pirates, make sure you are subscribed. We have you covered every single day right here about your favorite team, the Reds or the Pirates. And we are going to be with you all through the off season as well as both of these teams are in a period of transition and I said it earlier this season I still think I'm standing by it that I think that the Pirates are one year ahead of the Reds in this I think that next year they're going to be pretty interesting to watch so long as they actually manage the roster the way that they should ha 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 yeah that, 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 that's your uh, big part right there <laughs> that's a that that's that's a thing that you're yeah. expecting Bob Nutting to spend money Jeff that one, well, not for money, but like just to have the right guys up. Anyway, that's more for you to discuss and more for us to just watch and find out. But that's going to be it for us here. Make sure you now check out Locked On MLB as Sully has you covered with his unique takes and perspective on the league wide goings on each and every day. That's Locked On MLB, just like Locked On Reds and Locked On Pirates. It's free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify, Google. Basically, think of a podcasting app. We're there. We'll talk to each and every one of you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.